that I, I want to talk about. Um, besides that, although I could talk for the next 10 or 15 minutes about the defense and how awesome it is and how maybe it's the best defense of all time. So um, anyway, uh, but we should pray, shouldn't we? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for how the scriptures illuminate our hearts and our lives. And Lord, we're just coming to you today in response to your love. And we're coming to hear from you. So would you speak? Speak clarity into our, our hearts. Speak wisdom into our minds. Inspire us, mobilize us, and, and let us function in your grace to obey what you say to us today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to get them out and turn to Nehemiah. Nehemiah, if you're using a um, handheld device or something like that, you can turn on your Bible to Nehemiah. And um, we're going to look at chapter 2 today. As you know, we've been in a series um, really talking about the wall building process in the book of Nehemiah. We're, we're looking at how it applies to our lives and how God renews us, restores us, rebuilds our lives. And, um, and we're looking at that over the last three weeks and then over the next three weeks we'll continue and challenging ourselves to be the community that believes that God is a God who renews that he rebuilds and he restores. That's his nature. That's what he does. That's what he's best at. And all we need to do is surrender to that process. And so today we're going we're gonna to get to the scripture here in chapter 2, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a few things up front about where we are as one chapel. In a way, we're kind of having a little family meeting. All right, today's kind of a family meeting, and, and I'm going I'm to get to the scriptures, but I'm going to tell you a few things about things that are going on with the family. Um, I, I guess I'll just start at the beginning. Um, I was born on Saturday and in church on Sunday. <laughs> Too far back. Let me start. Six years ago, my wife and I, my wife and I and our five kids, we uh, got in, in our cars and pulled a U-Haul trailer down to Austin from Colorado Springs, where we'd been for 19 years. And we felt like God was calling us to uh, this city to do something, but we didn't know exactly what. We didn't know what it would look like. We didn't know how it would unfold or how it would materialize. But we just knew that God wanted us here, and he wanted us to start investing in this city. This region um, has some good churches, but not enough. You've heard me say the statistic. I'll say it again. The Austin region has about 4.7 churches per 10,000 people. The national average is 12 churches per 10,000 people. We are behind in every way in terms of churches, in terms of places that are influencing our communities. Which is why over the last five years, we've been, we planted this church and then started just going through the journey of growing up as a church. And the challenge of growing up as, as a church plant, I mean, it, this is not a lie. 
the statistics are real, about 80% of church plants fail. About 80% of church plants fail. And so it is a, it is a challenge for people. And church planting is getting more and more sophisticated and, and, and we're, we're figuring out ways to help pastors make inroads into the community and, and all that is really, really good. Um, but we didn't know what would happen here and, and a miracle of miracles happened. Um, we started seeing people right up here at the, at the movie theater at, 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 um, at um, Barton Creek Square Mall <laughs> is where it was at AMC Theaters. And I, I loved starting in a movie theater. I mean, I came here and I, wanted, I, I drove around the city for months trying to figure out where to meet because there was nowhere to meet in Austin. Uh, I don't know if you realize this, but there's just no places to meet. You can go to the school, but schools either already have churches in them or they don't want you to have church in them. And so we were driving around. And I just said, Lord, I'll meet anywhere except for a movie theater. <laughs> As is typical of the Lord, he put us in a movie theater and, and it was an amazing journey, we started meeting disenfranchised people, people that had been away from God, people that came to a movie theater. I would meet them after service. They would come, I'd be in the hallway, I'd be greeting people, and they'd say, Pastor, we, we came to this movie this morning. I, I didn't know this. $5 movies before noon is what was happening. Who knew? I was always in church on Sunday. So, I, so, but, so they'd come and say, we came over to this movie and it was awful. So we just came over to church with you. This is awesome. A church and a theater. This is incredible. And that's how we got our elders. So we, um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Only a couple. Only a couple. So, so listen, so, so, so we started in and, and trying to figure out what Jesus wanted us to do. And we went through uh, what I would call a couple years of just struggling to figure out who we are as a church. A couple of years of trying to, God, what are you trying to do with us? And we grew fast, so we had problems with systems and, and just all the normal things that churches have trouble with. We were, we were no exception. And... Um, and many of you just hung in there with us and, and just fought for it. And, and I'm so grateful for that. So grateful for that. Um, and and I could, one of the struggles was I just, I just am uncomfortable with what I thought God wanted us to do. I just knew I didn't know how to do it. Uh, what I know how to do, I was a worship pastor for 19 years. Gather people in a big room and let's experience the presence of God. Yeah, that's what I know how to do. Build it and they will come is all I ever experienced at church. That's not what Austin needed. And God was working on me as a leader to try to challenge me in what he wanted us to be as a church and what he wanted me to be as a leader. And and that was very hard. There were some very hard seasons there in the middle of our first five years. But as God always does, he works on us, he helps us, he's merciful to us, and then he helps us see what he's really doing. And so last summer, I kind of unveiled what I thought God had been asking us to do all along, but I was afraid to do it, and that is that we are becoming a multi-site congregation. 
that our goal is over the next 10 years, we're going to plant 10 churches. And that those 10 churches are going to be all over the landscape of Austin. And each one of them will be different. They will be context sensitive. They will, they will go to where people are and where churches are not. The best we can. And we will, we, will, we will put our energy and effort into creating a community of people that will be the light of the gospel in their community. And, and, uh, and, and as we started on that process, of course, you understand that Kyle is the first one of, of those and that um, they will be led by a strong community pastor and that they will, be, they will have live speaking all right. One of the reasons you haven't seen me is because I've been down there speaking, but you've had live speaking here. Every once in a while, we're going to have a supplement. Well, we'll supplement with video. When I want to talk to the whole group without speeding down 35, um, then, then we'll, the, we'll use video from time to time. Uh, often when we're launching a series or something like that. And, and so, so we're, we're figuring out the way we're going to do it, but here's what we're committed to. We're committed to a mission of going to our city and being better at living in our community and being the light in our community, of neighboring and loving our neighbors as ourselves in a, in a really intentional and strategic way. And that's where we're headed and we're not where we're going to be. We're not as good at it as we will be. We just started our first one. And I just tell you, there's a whole bunch of people down at Kyle. We have had huge numbers of people both coming to church and getting involved in groups and, and going to Catalyst. There's 45 people, I think, who are attending Catalyst uh, down there at, in Kyle. This, it, it is a, it's an amazing thing to see God start to do something. You, he makes something out of nothing. <laughs> That's what he does. He makes something out of nothing. And if, if, if we'll just decide to walk in a certain amount of faith, and it doesn't take much, it just takes a little bit. There's a little bit of faith and something will happen. And that's not just true for church, that's true for your life as well. That's true for your life and who you are and what God wants from you. And so I'm so excited about an announcement today about who's going to be the community pastor in Kyle. Some of you n know uh, the Emmerts. Nathan and Shannon Emmert, they're going to be the community pastor in Kyle. And, and I, I, <laughs> I've, yeah, some of you, those of you who know are like, yes! Uh, so, so I'm making that announcement today. I've known it for a really long time. I just had to let them catch up. Jesus speaking to their lives. And there's a great story. He'll, I think he'll come and tell the story about his journey at one, at one point here. But I'm so excited. He's down there this morning helping, making sure things are right and, and getting ready. So I'm really excited about that. Nate and Shannon, they have five kids uh, all under the age of seven. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they need your prayer. So I have one more announcement to make that I want to say today, and um, as of this week, we've added one more community. And the community that we've added to our family of neighborhood churches is up near uh, the Lake Travis area, up towards Spicewood. And so I want to announce today that today we are starting on to One Chapel Lake Travis. So, 
It's the worst kept secret in one chapel. <laughs> but that's on purpose. That's on purpose. And, and, and because I wanted people to know there's something going on here. Um, so I'll tell you the story. Four months ago, I met with uh, the church that is there called Pedernalis Fellowship. Pernalis Fellowship has been as a 38-year-old church, has Baptist roots, but um, a year ago at this time, their pastor was dismissed for a moral failure. It was very difficult, uh, very difficult process for them to walk through, and there's a pastoral team um, uh, that are essentially elders of that church, and they kind of held the ship together and started walking through. Well, they came to see me because, unfortunately, I have some expertise in walking a church through scandal. So I, I it's, it's not a fun thing. I just have, I just have done it. And so, um, so we sat down and we started talking. And I, I just coached them on where they were, and they had questions, and I, I just prayed for them, and it was really an amazing experience, and then, and then they left, and, and they wanted to meet again, and so the second time they came to meet, uh, we sat, and, and in that meeting, I mean, in the first meeting, you can tell there was just a connection, a, 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 a spiritual dynamic in the room, and they, they came back the second time, and they wanted to know more, and they'd heard, of course, about the vision to, to do 10 communities in 10 years, and they, they just said, in that second meeting, do you think that we could be one of those communities? Could we, could we be part of a family of neighborhood churches? And I said, well, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, let me pray about it. I don't know if you realize this, but we're trying to launch our first one. And so, um, so we're trying to birth something here. In fact, I really was like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> Right, like we're trying to do our thing here. Like we don't, I don't know that we want to get involved in your mess. <laughs> and so I, so I, I just said, well, we'll pray about it. And as is so common as people are trying to get pregnant or, you know, ha- having an adoption, we are, we are both birthing something, and, birthing a baby and adopting a baby. Because as we prayed about it, it became so clear. And then the next meeting that we had together, it was like the Holy Spirit spoke to us clearly. Because I think that's what it would take, right, for, for us to, to, to do that. And so uh, as we were getting ready to launch Kyle, this thing's going on. We were having meetings up there with all their people. And they have a, 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 a their final process was a membership vote. Um, and so we were, I mean, Russ Walker's been having coffees up there. I, I've been up there talking to different people. And so it's been quite a, a journey. And finally, last Sunday, they had a vote. Overwhelming majority of people voted yes to become part of the One Chapel family of churches. And so I'm so excited about that. So, so Russ Walker, Russ Walker will be the community pastor for the foreseeable future. And, um, and there's a really amazing story here because the church that Pastor Russ Walker came from in Wisconsin, when he came here, that church is the same conference, the same um, denomination of Baptist churches in that church. And he turned that church and kind of led them through a process much the same as this church is going to go through. And so we're pretty, pretty amazing how God 
provides and how he directs us. And so I, I want you to understand that they're going to go through a journey. An adoption is different than a birth. A birth has your DNA, and it's just immediate. It just starts. But adoption has a process by which you accept the family DNA. That there's a, there's a journey. And so we're gonna, they're going to be on a, a little bit different journey. Our hope is that we will, we will sort of have a, what would be called a grand opening uh, on Easter, Right? So that will kind of be our launch. What's happening right now is we're figuring out how to build some teams. And what we want, what we'd like is for you, if you live up near there, if you live up near the, towards Spicewood, uh, there's, there's, there's tons of like housing developments going up all around there. Sweetwater's right up here on 71. Um, La- even Lakeway is not really that far away from this location. It's right on 71, south of the Perdinalis River. Right on 71, this cute little five acres, steeple church. It's so cute. Who would have thunk? One chapel will have a steeple. <laughs> and so, and so uh, their sign is down right now, and they're, they're, we're going to go through a process over the next several weeks. But what we want is we, if, if you live near there, we want you to pray about becoming part of that church, beco- becoming part of that location, and help launch it. Um, uh, on Easter, okay, and so that's kind of kind of where we are, and and I, I it's about a hundred, it's a little over a hundred people, probably with kids and everybody, 125, 130 people, um, that go to church there, and so uh, it's an incredible, incredible thing, and I'm I'm so grateful because what I see is God doing things to accomplish His plan without me creating it. All I did was say yes. All you and I have to do is say yes. And then he will do something. Now the problem is we, we, we hesitate to say yes because it's so scary. It's so unknown. What should we do? Should we take the risk? Yes, you should take the risk. Take the risk to obey what God is doing. Because what happens when you say yes is what always happens when God's people come together for a vision that is bigger than themselves. And so I want you to, I want you to hear what the message is today from Nehemiah because it fits with what's going on at one chapel. Because we're going to talk about being united for a purpose. So I want you to look at Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 16. That's where we'll pick up the story. Nehemiah has already started to assess the damage to the walls of the city, and he has waited for the right timing to tell all the people who live there about his plan to rebuild the city walls, right? By the way, you, if you want more info, more info will be coming on onechapel.com as we update, and we'll let you know what's happening there, all right? Um, and already you can go up there and see there's, a, there's an initial, some initial information and, and service times, all right? So we'll, we'll let you know more about that. Okay, so here we are. We're picking up the story with Nehemiah, and... Um, He hasn't told everybody about his plan, but here he's getting ready to do it. Verse 16 says, I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone else in the administration, but now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. You ever felt like you were in trouble? You ever felt like, "Uh uh-oh, this is really bad. We gotta do something. I've felt that way personally and as a pastor. 
He said, he said, you know very well the trouble that we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruin and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. End this disgrace. It was disgraceful for a city, for its walls to be broken down. And they had a temple that had, they'd rebuilt it. They'd rebuilt the temple so there's worship going on, but the city walls were still falling down. People, we cannot be the church that sits here in worship while the city walls are torn down. We have to be the people that are willing to work on the walls. And so, and so he says, then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and how about my con- conversation with the king. Now remember, Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. This is a foreign king that he was in captivity. Nehemiah was born in captivity and placed into service as a Jew with no special privilege or skills. He was a cupbearer. Cupbearers tasted the food, drank the, drank the, the, the wine that, that the king was going to eat to see if it was poison. <laughs> he was expendable, let's say. He would, he would that's, that's what his job was. But he had a vision. He had, a, he had something in his soul. He had something that God had placed in there and he decided he was going to be the person who was going to ask the king. Nehemiah uh, gets favor. God grants Nehemiah favor from the king as he shares this burden about his people and his city. And look what happens here in verse 18. How the Jewish people respond to his story and his vision as he's telling them the story. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. And so they began the good work. Here's what I want to highlight to you. There is nothing more powerful than a group of people who have decided to cooperate and collaborate with God. There's nothing more powerful. You can look back at some of the first stories in the Bible. The Tower of Babel is one of them. And you can see how God said... These guys are building a tower, and God had to change all their languages, right? Because they were building a tower because they were unified in their purpose. And God said, we need to mix up the languages or else nothing's going to be impossible for them. That's what he said. That's what God said about those people. And they, they weren't his people. They were actually resisting him. And so there's a really incredible thing. Nehemiah shows us that when people decide to band together, work together, decide to focus on one purpose together, incredible things can be accomplished. Now watch what happens. What always happens when we decide to collaborate with God and do something big. You know what? What happens? You'll get pushback. Verse 19. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. One translation says they ridiculed them. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king? The hint here is you're going to be in big trouble if we tell. We're going to tell on you. Five kids, I'm so sick and tired of people telling on each other. (laughs) People, don't, don't, don't be a tattletale. Don't be a tattletale in this church either. Stop being a tattletale. If you've got a problem with somebody, follow the instructions of Scripture and deal with them. Right? There's something here that <laughs> these guys, they start, they start pushing back, and they're saying, we're going to tell the king the, what you're doing. And I replied, Nehemiah writes, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, are, we, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall, but you have no share, no legal right, no historic claim in Jerusalem. 
He's saying, look, you guys don't have any business talking like you're talking. We're going to talk next week about opposition. So, so we'll follow up here with opposition next week. But here's what I want to tell you in this moment. There will always be naysayers. There will be doubters. There will be accusers. There will be scoffers. But they are no match for God's work among his people who are united in a purpose. They are no match. There were a few people who didn't want Perdinalis River Fellowship to become one chapel, Lake Travis. And they voted against it. And that's understandable. It's okay. There may be some of you here that are saying, I don't want to be part of a church that does what you're talking about. I don't know that I want to, I, I, I am uncomfortable with this. You, you, I, and, and honestly, it is okay. It is okay if that's how you feel about it. I'd rather you be in a church where you're going to get in and take your place on the wall than just sit and take up space. We all need to decide that this is our purpose, that we're, go- that we're going to do something that's beyond ourselves, that's bigger than ourselves. God has a purpose for you, for your life. Why is it scary? Because it's challenging. Why is it uncomfortable? Because it requires faith. It requires something of us. It takes us out of our comfort zone, makes us each more responsible for our community in a more direct way. That's what, that's what a, a multi-site vision, going to our community, that's what that vision forces us all to do. It will demand that each of us take our place. So let's talk about what happens when we're united for a purpose. The first thing that happens when we decide, okay, we're going to be united for the purpose of God is people begin to believe. They say, yes, let's rebuild the wall. We can do this. Now, I want you to remember that it's 90 years. 90 years, 70 years since the temple's been built. All this time has passed. It, the wall's never been built. Yet you guys never thought of this before? <laughs> but Nehemiah says it, and they come together, and they start building people start believing, oh, this could actually happen. This could actually happen. We could actually finish this. Here's what John 17, 20 says. Jesus himself says this. He says, I pray that all, they will all be one. He's praying for his disciples. He says, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. Jesus is praying for his disciples, but he's praying for us too. And this is the namesake for one chapel. I don't know if you realize that. Our name came from this verse. Father, make them one like you and I are one. A miracle happens. Jesus prays for us to be united as one, like he is one with the Father. But he gives a reason. He says the reason is so that people will believe that you sent me. Listen, there is an evangelistic strength strategy that has to do with being united. When people are united together, when they drop their own labels and say, we're just going to be known as the people of God. We're just going to be known by what, who Jesus says we are. It doesn't matter what our social class is. It doesn't matter how much money we make or how little money we make or what our political affiliation is or whatever. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It, when, when we all say we're going to be part of one purpose, and listen, we live in such a divisive culture, 
We live in such a culture that is polarized that when anybody comes together, it's a miracle. <laughs> Think of what, it, what God could do with a group of people that decided. They were going to be one together, especially in our kind of culture. Being willing to have a purpose that we're going to live out the gospel within our community and we're going to share this vision being united in spirit and purpose. If we do this together, here's what I will see. I, I tell you what will happen is you'll start to believe it in a greater measure and other people will start believing it too. Faith will begin to rise up in us a greater measure of faith. Some of you have like, you, you missed me these last three weeks, right? Oh, I, really, I don't know if I want to go to church and, you know, Ross isn't going to be there. And, or you were on the other side of the equation. I hope Ross never comes back because I really like the other guys. This is really awesome. Listen, listen, we're not doing this out of convenience. We're not doing this to make sure that people's churches are closer to their houses. We're not, we're not a church of convenience. We're a church of conviction. And the conviction is, is that we want to see people come to Jesus. And the best way that they do that is if they know there's a group of people in their neighborhood, in their community, that are united in a purpose and that are willing to serve them and willing to love them. Our faith will grow stronger. This leads us to the second point. Number two, we find our place. We find our place. Look at, continue the story of all the people that began to work together and take their place along the wall. Look at Nehemiah 3, right? It, we just continue in the, in the next chapter. Here's what it says. It says, then Eliashib, hmm, I had it better earlier. Eliashib and the high priest, oh, the high priest and the other priest started to rebuild at the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set up its doors, building the walls as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated in the Tower of Hananel. People from the town of Jericho worked next to them, and beyond them was Zakur, son of Imri. The fish gate was built by the sons of Hassaniah. They laid the beams, set up the doors, and installed its bolts and bars. Merimoth, son of Uriah, and grandson of Hakaz. I like that name, Hakaz. It's probably pronounced differently, but repaired the next section of wall. Beside him were Meshulam, son of Berechiah, and grandson of Meshezabel, and then Zadok, son of Baana, and next were the people from Tekoa there, though their leaders refused to work with the construction supervisors. <laughs> Listen, even in not getting along, they still took their place on the wall. There are things ahead of us as a church that are going to be hard. It's going to, there's going to be difficult things. People will feel as though they're not being paid attention to. There will be moments where our systems aren't working well. But listen, if we'll take our place on the wall, we'll see something incredible accomplished. Verse 6, the old city gate was repaired by Joedah, son of Paseah, and Mishalem, son of Besodiah. The laid, they laid the beams, set up its doors, and installed its bolts. Next to them were Melatiah, and from Gibeon, Jaden from Maranoth, people from Gibeon, and people from Mizpah, the headquarters of the governor of the prince province west of the Euphrates River. Next was Uziel, son of Harahiah, and Golds. A goldsmith by trade who also worked on the wall. Beyond him was Hananiah, a manufacturer of perfumes. Look, they weren't all experts. Hey, they weren't all experts at building walls. 
They had different roles. And there's 31 verses of what I just read. <laughs> I only read 10 of them. I won't, I won't take you through the pain of the other 21. But there's, there's, there's 31 verses of people standing next to each other, taking ownership of a, a section of the wall, deciding that this is where I'm going to stand. This is what we're going to contribute. This is how we're going to participate in what God is doing. But here's what happened. People started coming out of the woodwork from all over the place to do something. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the whole, whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Look, here's the lesson for us. You and I have to, have to understand we're part of something. <laughs> we're part of something. I want you to be part of something. God wants you to be part of something. We all have a part to play in this incredible Christ-centered drama of the kingdom of God arriving on the scene. Our church is not a place where the experts just do the ministry. It's a place of a family, a family of believers where we're all committed to be part of something greater than ourselves. We are interconnected instead of individualists. We are contributors instead of consumers. We are a community and not just a collection of random people. Listen, I wanna challenge you, every one of you, with what's coming, with what God seems to be doing behind the scenes when we're not even aware of it, that he has a purpose and he wants you to be involved in that purpose. And that purpose, I, I'm telling you, some of you, you've just kind of sat on the sidelines and you're, and, and you're, 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 getting, um, you're getting tired and, and your, your muscles are not working. And there's this, like all, all this, you know, when, you, when you're not in the game, when you're not engaged, you start checking out. Not just checking out of the church, but checking out of God. Some of you need to, to get in the game. You need to become part of the body. Every person needs to join a team, needs to find a group, needs to sign up for Catalyst. This is your last week to sign up for Catalyst, by the way, before it goes on for its semester. If you still want to do it, you can, but you've got to find a group. You've got to join a team. We all have to take our place. We're compelled to be part of what God is doing in our lives and in the lives of others. This is our calling. It's our conviction. Number three, God does Here's what, here's what happens when we're united in a purpose. God does more quickly. <laughs> he does more quickly. I I'm going to take you all the way to Nehemiah 6, verse 15. Nehemiah 6, verse 15, look what it says. It says, so the wall was completed on the 25th of Yalul in 52 days. Everybody say 52 90 years since the Jews returned. 70 years since the completion of the temple. Suddenly they decide to focus their intention in one place and it happens in 52 days. What in the world? What can God do in a very quick manner if we won't be isolationists, if we won't be individualists, if we won't be separated from one another, if we, if we won't just go off in all kinds of different directions, if we will participate in what God is doing Here's what Isaiah 48, 3 says. It says, I foretold the former things long ago. My mouth announced them and I made them known. Then suddenly I acted and they came to pass. I love that verse. It's kind of like a band. You ever heard a band on the radio? 
And then you're like, oh, I never heard that band before. That's awesome. How many, do you guys still listen to the radio? I mean, I, I, it's like, <laughs> you listen, you get, get wind of this band. You're like, wow, it's a brand new band. Well, in reality, that band has been going to clubs, been playing at all kinds of bars. They've been, go, they've been playing for years. It's just that they suddenly burst onto the scene. I think that's how God works a lot of times, right? I, in fact, I, there's a great quote. It says, it takes a long time to become an overnight sensation. I think that's what's happening to one chapel. It takes a long time to dig in. And sometimes we have to struggle. Sometimes we have to wrestle. Sometimes we feel like we're waiting in the darkness as we talked about last week. But then suddenly God bursts onto the scene. The question is, will you wait through the darkness and wait for this suddenly moment? Will you allow God to do what only he can do in a moment? And I think all of us have to be ready, waiting, willing, full of faith, united together. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes, and I want to just pray for you. Today's Valentine's Day, and I wonder if you would just be willing. I wonder if you'd just be willing to do a couple of things. One is to receive the love that God has for you right where you are. But secondly, that you would love him back in a way that says, all right, God, I'm in. I'm gonna start, I'm gonna stop being on the outside and I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start loving you. I'm gonna start being a part of what you're doing. And, and, and it's, it's, not, it's not really, at the end of the day, it's not really about getting people to do their job on the wall it's more about what God's trying to accomplish behind the scenes. It's more about what God is doing in the nation of Israel and in restoration of this city than it is about each individual family's job on the wall. <laughs> so don't misunderstand me. I'm not, I'm not just talking about you and what's going on in your life and how you need to change it. I'm talking about you gravitating to the big idea that God is a restorer, that God is a, a person that renews. He is, he is a rebuilder, and he wants to do that in your life. Wherever you are, whatever's going on, he wants to restore, he wants to rebuild, he wants to renew your heart in love with him. So I'm not going to embarrass you, I'm not going to call you forward. But if maybe, maybe it's the first time you've ever thought about this. Like, I really need to be all in in my relationship with God. Maybe it's just the first time in a long time because you've been away from him. But either way, either way, if you want me to pray with you, you want to say, yes, pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm going to change my ways here. And I, I'm going I'm to respond to God and his purpose in my life. I'm going to be all in. You just want to say yes to him. I just want you to raise your hand. Shoot your hand up in the air right now. Say, yep, that's me. That's me. Yep, I see you. Who else? Who else will say yes? It's time. It's this moment. Yep, I see you. God sees you. Who else? Who else will say, okay, I'm going to go for it? All right. Come on, let's pray this prayer together. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing in our hearts. Lord, we want to be the people that you've called us to be. We want to be 
the ones that you're renewing and you're storing and rebuilding. And Lord, we understand sometimes it just feels like we have to wait longer than we really want to. But we, we are willing today to look forward to that suddenly moment when you break it onto the scene, when you burst onto the scene of our hearts and our, and our lives, and our minds, that you come suddenly and you show us your purpose. Show us how you want things to happen. You put things back together. Lord, I pray that you would make us into those kind of people that would not only think that way for ourselves, but we would think that way for others so we could hold their hand while they're waiting and in the darkness. We thank you for this. It's in, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.